Welcome to Follow Your Kind Podcast, a show where we explore the meaning of kindness and how we can express it in our daily lives. My name is Christina and I'm your host. All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Follow Your Kind Podcast. And today I'm very excited uh, to introduce my dear friend Tara Kemp uh, to you. And Tara Camp is the part of my PPOD tribe, uh, the plant-based prevention of disease conferences that I went to uh, two years in a row now. And I met many beautiful people there. And Tara was one of my first friends that I met in uh, New Cur- uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I've seen her again um, this year uh, at PPOD. And I have been following her since the uh, first day that we met and just uh, has always been very have always been very inspired by the content you put up um, in regards to nutrition but also of course the self-exploration component um, that that you bring into that um, and component of kindness and uh, self-love so welcome to the show Tara Oh my gosh, that was the most lovely intro thank you so much (laughs) Tina and I just have to reflect back to you I mean it's so cool to me that you're starting this podcast and the second that I met you, your enthusiasm for plant-based nutrition, for this lifestyle and for compassionate living, it just radiates from you. And, you know, the fact you say that that was such a starting point for you, but you, you had all of that lying dormant within you just, it was like bursting at the seams, like waiting to just find (laughs) an outlet to come out. So this is definitely, it's been wonderful to see you break out and just follow all of these passions of yours. And, um, it, I love it, and I'm so honored to be here. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you, Tara, and thank you for your kind words. Um, yes, I, I remember meeting uh, you and Katie uh, and Robbie, and uh, you were just uh, like such a pro pro trio at that conference, and uh, just the energy that you um, <laughs> eliminated as well was really, really cool and um, uh, breathtaking for me. Um, well, let's uh, um, let let me. I'm going to allow you rather uh, to maybe uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself, about your background, about your education, maybe about your participation with super cool, amazing, exciting projects like Forks Overnight or uh, and some other uh, documentaries. Uh, I believe that you were involved in and uh, how you fold in into the vegan and plant based world. Yeah, sure. So (laughs) this can be a pretty long and detailed story, but um, basically I have been living a plant-based lifestyle for seven years now. And um, back when I was 19, I was kind of in this place of, of seeking. I was feeling pretty lost when it came to food and I was looking for clarity and looking for a place in which food was this positive nourishing like wonderful just really all positive thing in our life and I felt kind of lost because you know if you aren't really aware about the truth of nutrition you're you're kind of left floundering because there's so many different viewpoints there's so many different voices out there screaming one thing or another that completely contradict one another and 
I was feeling kind of lost and I was, I was very interested in the healthy lifestyles. I um, was just interested in, in exploring different ways of eating. And when I heard about a plant-based diet, which I guess I had known about when I was younger, but I didn't really know anyone who was vegetarian or vegan. And um, I was a little bit wary of it when I was younger, but anyways, so I just, it, there was one summer um, between my freshman and sophomore years of college where for whatever reason, I just became kind of interested in it. Like I heard about it and then a number of things were just kind of coming into my perspective uh, related to a vegetarian or vegan diet. And then the clincher was that I read the book Born to Run and not necessarily I mean, it is not at all about veganism, but the book profiles these runners. Um, it's a group called the Terra Umara, and they are an indigenous um, peoples living um, <laughs> down in, I think it's New Mexico, but they run an average of like 50 or 60 miles a day, and they basically subsist off of a plant-based diet that is composed primarily of corn and chia seeds they're one of their are their top two sources of calories I believe and and hearing that as an athlete I had always been um I guess not always but in middle school and high school I had been a runner and I was still into running in high or in college even though I wasn't on my college team or anything but I was doing half marathons and triathlons and full marathons and things like that and the idea that you could eat a vegan diet and be a strong runner was complete. It like blew my mind hmm. because in, in high school, they had always pushed protein, protein, protein for athletes. So, um, it was, it was surprising to me and it caught my attention. And it also profiled Scott Jurek, who is an ultra runner who also eats a vegan diet. And he, it, it mentioned in the book that when he went, he wasn't originally vegan in the beginning of his career. And then when he started eating a vegan diet is when his career really took off and he started winning races and becoming the star studded athlete that he is today. So that just caught my attention. And with the other things coming into my perspective, it just, it made me want to try it. I was super curious and super interested. And um, I loved the idea of, of trying it out and eating foods. Like I said, eating in a way that was fully nourishing where you were only eating foods that worked with your body in this harmony and where, you know, I was just looking for that. So thinking that this might be an answer for me, I dove in and I didn't change from like an ethical or moral perspective at first. And I really didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't even have this idea like, oh, I'm going to do this for a month or oh, I'm going to do this for six months or whatever. I didn't have any particular like time that I was giving myself to try it out. I just started <laughs> mm -hmm. and said, we'll see how this goes. And if I decide I don't like it, I'll change. But for now I'm, I'm going to go for it. And I think that that was a healthy perspective for me to start from. I think that enabled it for it to be fully just a fun thing right from the start. Um, and the more that I ate that way, the more that I loved it. I, I just immediately loved the food. I loved like high carb foods to begin with. Um, I always had loved whole grains and 
Um, my family grew up eating a lot of beans and things, so it wasn't new to me to eat a lot of beans and tofu and whatever. And I love fruit and I love cereal and oatmeal and hummus sandwiches. And so all of that stuff, like I loved it, honestly, it was not hard at all for me to make that switch. I know that a lot of other people have a different experience, but for me, it was really fun and easy. And um, my boyfriend at the time, like bought me a vegan cookbook and we would make meals together. And he was just super supportive and my friends were supportive. And it was honestly a super positive experience for me right from the start. And the more that I learned, the more that I just grew even more dedicated to it. And um, I mean, there definitely were some bumps along the way. My family was super wary of it because I had a history of disordered eating. So Mm -hmm. for them, they saw it as a new way of restriction. And um, that wasn't unfounded. Um, I can completely see why they thought that. And I also had my own, like, you know, it was triggering in some ways for me. And I did in some ways feel safe in restricting more food. So like there was some truth to that, but ultimately it's been nothing but positive in my life. And it actually was a catalyst for so much healing. Like I fully went into recovery and was just so healed by, by a plant-based diet. And so much of that came from widening and broadening my first perspective beyond the health benefits of it. But more to that later, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the the big turning point for me was when I saw the movie Forks Over Knives and seeing that documentary, it just, that was like one of those moments in life where like your life really changes. It's like you, you, you turn that corner and there's no going back. And when I saw Forks Over Knives, I was just so enamored by the way that this way of eating was radically healing people and changing their lives and giving them so much empowerment and hope and giving them their life back. I mean, it's not just about like, oh, these cholesterol numbers go from high to low and the blood pressure goes from high to low and whatever. It's it's about being able to spend time with your kids and, you know, live a life where you're feeling so full of energy and you have such vitality and you can do the things that you enjoy, like going out for bike rides and climbing mountains and going on vacations and, you know, seeing your grandkids grow up and all of that stuff. Like, that's what it's about is really having that, like, having a full, amazing life and seeing the way that food was completely healing the body, like beyond the ability of medicine was just incredible for me. And I just latched onto that and loved it and was just all in. And from there, I just became like full on nerd status. I started reading all of the books and I went and shadowed people and just like dove in a hundred percent. And, um, from there is where I, I initially, um, got started in volunteering with engine two. And that was right around the time when engine two was very new. And so I volunteered two friends and I volunteered writing for the daily beat, uh, which was their online blog. And, we would just once a week write from the college student perspective and it was so much fun. I love writing and I just had so much fun with it and was super dedicated to it. I made it like I acted like it was a job, even though I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't, you know, it was just like, I was so dedicated and they saw that. And at the end of, um, let's see, I think it was like four or five months that we were doing that for them. 
um, at the end of that time, they asked us if we wanted to do an internship with them and take on an even greater role. And so we did, and we created this ebook for children and their parents to adopt a plant-based diet together. And it had, it was so fun to do, and it was a ton of work, but it was so rewarding and amazing to do. And um, we essentially made this ebook where the first, it had three parts, and the first part was the science information for parents to read through and understand why they were starting to feed their kids this way and why their family was making that transition. And then the second part was for the kids and it had all these different activities like grocery store scavenger hunts and like, you know, color in the salad bowl and fill it in with your favorite fruits and veggies and all sorts of fun little games and activities like that. And then the final part was uh, kid-friendly recipes. And in addition to that, we were helping out with Engine 2 Extra, which was their like online support group site and all sorts of things. And from there, everything just took off because, I mean, at the time I was still in school, I was still in college and I was, <laughs> I basically stopped doing all of my extracurricular activities and spent <laughs> all of my time doing this plant-based stuff. And I just dove in and was 100%, I was just so in it. And it was giving me a sense of, I was so excited about this. It was like this thing that I felt like was almost a sense of, I mean, not just almost, like it was a sense of purpose. It was my way to make a mark on the world and share with the world something that I felt was so valuable. And um, from there, you know, ending to the person who was overseeing me then um, sent me an email at one point and was like, hey, you know, there's this group called the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, um, sometimes referred to as PCRM. And she said, you know, they have summer internships for students. And I think that you would be awesome. And she sent me their website link. And I went on and ended up applying for an internship and got that. And so I was an intern with uh, PCRM for a summer. And after that, I had just six months left of school because I graduated early. And I kept in touch with the physicians committee after I left that summer and just paid attention to the job openings that they have, that they had and ended up, you know, getting a role with them right as soon as I graduated. And so I moved to DC immediately after I graduated and started working there and was there for two years. And that was so wonderful. It was so, so incredible. I'm eternally grateful for that experience, getting to work so closely with that amazing group of people and um, especially Dr. Neil Barnard and getting to play a role in planning their medical conference and leading food for life classes uh, with the food for life instructors and setting all of that up. And it was just, you know, and seeing the research that they do, it was just everything they do is so incredible. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And I met some amazing friends in DC and, you know, all of that was really incredible. And the friends that I made there, we're all um, very deeply embedded in the animal rights um, activism community. And so I learned so much from them in those, on that side of it. And it was so, it was beautiful because um, I was able to teach them so much about the health side that I knew about, and they were able to teach me so much about the animal rights side. And it really became a more well-rounded um, part of my life. I think that gaining those perspectives and recognizing that I did believe in all of the reasons why I just morally don't want to eat animals from that ethical perspective, from that compassion, ahimsa, whatever you want to, you know, come at it from, 
it just, it made it even more important to me that I eat this way, you know, and really solidified it for me. And then I learned about the environmental aspects of it and all of that just going back to the relationship with food side of things. It, it all made me realize that food is so much more than food. Like it's not just this thing that we put on our plate. It's not this, you know, even though I am so interested in the health and the nutrition, like it's not just this breakdown of like macronutrients and micronutrients and phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals it's, and fiber and, you know, all of those wonderful things. It's like, yes, it is made up of those parts, but it's so much greater than the sum of its parts. And even trying to measure those things doesn't even get at, at the, you know, the base, like there's so much more to food than that. And there's so much more to it than we even have the ability to study or quantify right now. But even more than that, food is something, it's a choice that extends beyond the food on our plate. It extends beyond us. It's a choice that affects the environment. It's a choice for the planet, for other humans, for animals, for this entire earth community. It's a way to stand up for what we believe in. It's a, it's a value system. Um, it's just, it's so beautiful. It's a way to live in harmony with this world. And that's when I really started to really feel that even more strongly. And um, anyways, from there, I ended up leaving PCRM. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like no, going that's on and on. Do you have anything? Going. I love it. I love okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so from there, I took a few months to travel. Um, I had kind of a personal breakdown of sorts. And before I, I was planning to go back to grad school to be a dietitian. And before I did that, I just needed to have no commitments and, you know, just be free for a while. And so I traveled for like four months. Your typical eat, pray, love, let's find yourself whole <laughs> experience. And um, that was wonderful. And when I got back, I was looking for part-time work while I was uh, taking online prerequisite classes for a degree to go to a master's program and be a dietitian. And I ended up finding part-time work at Forks Over Knives, and that was wonderful. I helped uh, to start up their meal planning service, and that was really fun and a super great experience. And then just around the time that I was getting ready to go back to school, I was having second thoughts about it and was really struggling in terms of enjoying the prerequisite classes and also just doing them in general. Like things like organic chemistry are really difficult for me. And I was trying my best and just super struggling. And it wasn't even just that it was difficult for me. It was that I was really not enjoying it at all. And so I was kind of second guessing whether that was really the route that I wanted to take and in talking with some mentors of mine realized that maybe I wanted to do a PhD program or take a different route and um, yeah that was a big leap of faith moment because I really had been planning for the previous like four or five years to go to school to be a dietitian and that's where I thought that I was that's the road that I thought I was headed down and I had prepared myself so well for it in terms of having mentors that were so helpful and making connections and, you know, getting into the school that I was my top choice and thinking that I was going to be able to be in a community where they were doing research that was interesting to me. And 
Um, I just felt like I had it all set up. I was, I had it laid out. I had my path and it was so secure and I knew exactly where I was headed and I decided not to do it. And that was such a, a big, difficult decision for me, but I'm so glad that I made it. And in the meantime, while I was figuring things out um, and deciding my alternate course for, you know, what I wanted to do in terms of career path, Mastering Diabetes offered me a position. Uh, Robbie, one of the founders, is a good friend of mine, one of my very, very best friends. And Cyrus, the other co-founder, is also a friend of mine. And they reached out to me and offered me a position. And again, I'm just so forever so deeply grateful for that because my heart was already so in Mastering Diabetes and what they were doing. And so it was really beautiful to be able to play a role in the startup and be more deeply embedded in all of that. And it was just, it was the best. They're the best. Everything (laughs) about it was so great. And um, so, yeah, I did that for about 10 months, maybe 11. I don't know. Yeah. And, and now here I am, we're, we're getting up to speed now. Here we are in the present day and, I just um, a few weeks ago left Mastering Diabetes. It was heartbreaking, but I also am really stoked about where I'm headed. Um, I'm starting a PhD program. I just moved to Flagstaff, Arizona, and the PhD program is an interdisciplinary program. It's a PhD in interdisciplinary health, and it brings together uh, public health, sorry, public health, psychology, and sociology. And so it takes this broader perspective, really pulling in the psychology and the psychosocial aspect that I have in the past couple of years kind of drifted toward, and I shouldn't even say kind of drifted toward, that I've <laughs> run toward and really feel like is the, the place where I not only have the experience and it's where my passion meets skills, meets experience, where I really feel like. I have something to say that isn't really um, a strong part of the plant-based and behavior change movement yet. And I just want, it's where I want to investigate more and speak out about and bring forth to the conversation um, and also into practice because I think it's so, so important. We are emotional beings. Our emotional and psychological lives are such a big part of all of this. And it's so often missing from the conversation. So that's really what I want to study and what I want to put data to and be able to prove from the qualitative standpoint, because that is so valued in our current scientific society. And yeah, I'm just really excited to be on this path that I'm on now. So yeah, that is the long-winded, I'm a wordy person. (laughs) That's my long-winded story of um, how I got to where I am today with, uh, all of the plant-based journey. I mean, this, this is so beautiful. This is just such a, an impressive resume. And it's, I just, I think it's so awesome when people are able to not always, even if they're not able to necessarily clearly to see the path where they're going, but at least to allow for the things to unfold, because it seems like you're just so swiftly following through with this, 
very clear direction. I mean, what a like who what else can you wish for with the track of working with Engine 2 with Rip Esselstyn and then going to PCRM and getting the amazing experience and perspective and all the connections and just the exposure to all the amazing work that they're doing, then stumbling into work forks over knives and then getting the more experience <laughs> and more exposure with mastering diabetes. I mean, this is this is just such an incredible journey. I, I'm sure like even without any kind of further education, you already have accumulated such an, an immense amount of knowledge and and experience, not only just factual and scientific, but also emo emotional and personal and social from, from the work that you have done already that I can only imagine. I mean, with if after you start on your uh, PhD track and especially after you get your PhD in, in all of the other science and additional experience that you're able to, to accumulate through that, it's like the stars are the limit. I can I can only imagine. I cannot wait to see where your career goes from here and what the impact that you that you will be able to make. And I mean, you're already living such a an amazing presence and such a, a dent and offering so much help to the community and people that this is just. I, I'm I'm so impressed. I'm I'm so impressed. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so so much for all of those kind words and reflecting that back to me. It. It really is beautiful when I reflect on the journey and, you know, we can get so caught up in the present moment of realizing, you know, having these goals that just get bigger and bigger and feeling like we're so far away from them. But I mean, if I think back to, you know, my 19 year old self who had just gotten into this and who was so enthusiastic, like I would be so excited if someone told me that someday I would have this resume, that someday I would be where I am now. Mm -hmm. It would be so hard to believe, but just amazing. Like I would be jumping for joy to hear that I got to do all of the things that I did. And I'm just forever grateful. It's, it's sometimes hard to believe. And, um, but I think that it's just a testament to, you know, following what you're passionate about and just unapologetically going after what you want to do and, and taking those leaps because, it works out. It really does. I love it. And I, I admire and respect you so much for that. Uh, th this is, this is really incredible. I think you're by, by following your dreams, I think you also inspire many, many other people to have to muster up the courage and self love enough to follow f through with their dreams as well. So this is definitely a service to others for sure. Mm. I think, I hope so. I, I know, I definitely know. So I know that you are for me. So I, I know that's definitely this worked for one person, but I can, I can also, another thing that I love is and from what I'm hearing and gathering from you is that it sounds like you're, you know, how sometimes you discover something and then like after a few years, you're not as passionate about it anymore. Well, it sounds like for you, it's completely different. It's like you're gaining the momentum and with every new project you tackle and every, every new thing that you master uh, or every new step that you take, it, it seems like your excitement and your passion is, is not going anywhere. I mean, the way that you speak about and the amount of gratitude and thought you put into all of your experiences, that's the, I think that is also very, very inspiring and also ensuring from the perspective that you don't really get worn out uh, by, or it doesn't really, it doesn't really get boring or it doesn't have to get boring. You can continue learning and growing. Right. 
and tackling new things. Yeah, and two things come up for me as you say that, because on one hand, I do fully agree with you that my passion and, you know, my passion for a plant-based diet and the way that, you know, it's part of my life has only deepened and expanded and grown over the years. Like in time, it just grows and grows and I become more and more passionate about it. But to the same extent, I think that I have shifted in, in it and that it's important to not put ourselves into a box and decide like, this is what I'm doing, or this is my niche or whatever, because at one point I really did think that I was going to be the nutrition voice and that I was going to talk about the health aspects and I was going to tell everyone about how eating meat leads to the, you know, TMAO and um, inflammation and the way that when we eat things like the carcinogens that are there and just, you know, the way that our body can recover faster when we eat plant-based. Like I really thought that I was going to be this like science-based approach to it and that I was going to talk all about the nutrition and I did so much work to set myself up on a path where that was where I was headed and I hit a point where I realized that I don't really want to talk about that so much anymore and not that I don't think it's important I just don't know if that's the place for my voice in this movement and I certainly still talk about it from time to time and I'm still so passionate about it but I've learned that there are so many other people who are saying it in ways that I couldn't and who are doing such a good job and that I really wanted to actually be like the touchy feely, like let's talk about feelings person and like, let's talk about (laughs) self love and let's talk about the way that we relate to ourselves and our relationship with food and our emotions and our thoughts. And, you know, I, I wanted to take more of a psychology kind of like counseling perspective and, And that's okay. That's okay to make that shift. And something that has helped me in terms of making a commitment to be at this school and do this program for five years is taking the pressure off myself and saying, hey, if in two years or three years from now, I decide that this isn't the route I want to take anymore, it's okay if I shift. So I think that as much as I still am very embedded in the plant-based movement, and this is such a part of my life, the, the things that I'm focusing my attention and energy on have shifted and that's okay. And to recognize that like we live this broad, you know, expand, like the opportunities are infinite and to decide that, you know, I've already spent so many years putting myself on this path or researching this thing or creating this project, you know, like if, if you make this podcast and you're doing this podcast and it becomes your passion project and you're all in, you've done it for five years and it has like all these five-star ratings on iTunes and it's ranked super high. And then you decide that it's not where you want to put your energy anymore. You can stop and you can try something new and that's totally okay. We have this long lifetime and we can do so many things in it and we don't have to feel bad about switching directions or shifting within it. So 
that's some lesson that has been really important for me to learn. So I just wanted to share that because it's a thought that I had as you were saying that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I agree with you. It's also, it's it, other than also being, being kind of excited and continuing and, and bringing the strength, it's also bringing that flexibility component and kind of allowing for the things to unfold the way they're, where they're turning without really forcing yourself into any limits or a box, as you said. I completely agree. This is, this is a very beautiful way to express that, as you said. Right. It's like so often we can get in our own way and it's like, yes. we just need to listen to what our intuition is telling us and get out of our own way and just trust it. Like if we're being presented an opportunity that feels like it should be a really good opportunity and we should take it, but for whatever reason, we're not feeling super excited inside about it. Listen to that feeling. Like I used to be such a like pro con list person, whatever. And now I'm just like, how does this feel? Does this feel really awesome? Exciting? Do I want to go do this? Like, does this make me light up and feel energized? And if the answer is yes, then I go for it. And if the answer is no, then even if it looks good on paper and sounds like it should be an amazing opportunity, it's not right for me. I love it. I love it. Well, I think that's a perfect way to transition to talking about the feelings. So I know you talk a lot about the, the healing and the, the, the connection and the, the, the nourishing side, side, a side of food that is beyond just nutrients. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and how that uh, in, in the context of nutrition, but the, the healing component and the emotional component uh, that you were mentioning earlier? Yes, absolutely. So so often struggling with food is a reflection of a way that we are struggling internally. And usually that's subconscious and we don't realize it. Um, emotional eating has become a, a topic of conversation and kind of a buzzword lately. And I'm glad to see that, but it's even beyond that. It's, you know, so often we turn to food as either a sense of comfort or control or a coping mechanism in our lives. And the way that we eat is a reflection, like the, not just the way that we eat, but the way that we're thinking about food, the way that we're relating to food, it can be really troubled. And it's like just the way that society is, the way that we're raised. You know, the idea of having a guilty pleasure for food is totally normal. And that is so sick and backwards. And um, the way that we treat our bodies and we're so disconnected from food and, you know, it's just, we're, we're a society of a collective, like everyone has, is, and not everyone, but the vast majority of people are somewhere on the scale of disordered eating, like we do not have a good relationship with food. And I really believe that's a big reflection of not having a good relationship with ourselves. And I don't believe that we can fully be in a sense of inner peace with food and be making choices from a place of love until we have a foundation of self-love for ourselves. And when you're asking someone to make big lifestyle changes, it's not going to be sustainable unless they're doing it from that place. And I mean, fear is a big motivator and it's a really strong motivator and it's a very successful and powerful motivated. When someone has a heart attack and they're in that place of, oh my God, I just died. That is a really great point. That is an opportunity for them to say, okay, how am I going to make a change? And 
that is like pain is a great motivator, but only in the short term. It is not sustainable because we do not want to feel scared all the time. It's not healthy for us. It's not comfortable for us. So being in that sense of fear and despair and sadness can be a great motivator for the initial change, for getting us off of our butts, for having us take that plunge. But from there, it's not going to be sustainable to make a lifestyle change if we're not enjoying it, if we're not doing it from that place of, of love and have that really deeply embedded sense of why we're doing it. We need to have that sense of why and be doing it because, you know, all the things that I mentioned earlier, we want to be able to live a life where we get to do the activities that we love, where we can work towards our passions and be in good health to have a relationship with a partner and friends and not worry them over our health and see our parents and siblings and friends and children and grandchildren grow up and be a part of their lives and not be debilitated by health concerns and to live full of energy and vitality and feel good all the time. Like people who are eating a healthy plant-based diet when they feel stressed or when, I mean, not stressed necessarily, but when they feel tired and low energy or when they get sick, like it's so different from how we feel normally, whereas the average population is feeling that all the time. So anyways, um, back to the feeling side of it is just that it has to come from that place of love and that self-love and, and the way that we eat is an act of self-love, but it can also be an act of uh, punishment. So two people can sit, like someone can eat, you know, a big green, like a salad with a base of greens that has black beans and sweet potato and spices and roasted kabocha squash and curried chickpeas and whatever. Like, you know, they can sit down to that meal and one person can be doing it from a place of punishment and the other person can be doing it from a place of self-love. And we are not like healthy eating is not actually healthy if you're not doing it from a healthy mindset. And I think that so often people are eating healthy food, but not from a healthy mindset. And so that's where I really want to help people is helping them to do that inner work, to look within and like you were saying, you know, get to know yourself. Self-knowledge is so important and it just so intertwines with all of this. Like even when it comes to, you know, for some people, um, say, you know, someone's eating a plant-based diet and they decide that, hey, like they want to have like, you know, vegan, a, a vegan donut, like they want to be able to have that as part of their diet. And for one person, you know, that it might be okay. Like they're the type of person that number one, they don't have heart disease. They're not in a point where having a vegan donut is going to be potentially life-threatening for them it's not like they're not their body's not in a state of needing healing you know they're already healthy and for them that leads them to have a healthy mental like that's that's a mental health thing that for them being able to say hey whenever I want to have a vegan donut every once in a while not every single day but every once in a while as a treat I can that can be really healthy for someone but for another person that can be detrimental because if they have one vegan donut you know, they're, they're not doing it from a healthy place. They're doing it from, you know, maybe it like triggers them to binge or maybe it, you know, they feel so much guilt as they're eating it or, um, 
they won't be able to stop. Like they can't stop at just one. They have an addictive personality and one donut becomes 12 donuts. And it just, it all goes back to knowing yourself, knowing the intention behind what you're doing and being able to analyze yourself and have that self-awareness to know, is this decision coming from a healthy place and is it serving me or is it harming me? Because what we eat, again, like whether it's a sweet potato or whether it's a banana or whether it's a vegan donut, you can be eating from a place of self-harm or from a place of self-love. And that is the key to get back to. This is, I just want to like catch every one of your phrases and then print it out on a huge piece of paper and post it all <laughs> over my walls. Cause it's like every single thing is like a mic drop. It's a quote worthy. I love it that you said that healthy eating is not the eating is not healthy eating if it's not coming from healthy mindset and the, that, that uh, principle of self love versus self harm. I mean, it's so it's so profound because it's so true. Often we'll look at food as just a simple combination of nutrients and, and kind of substances, but then it's not just what the food is. It's also our approach to food and how we take that food in that affects how, how that food, what happens to food inside us and how the food ultimately affects us at the end. I mean, that's such a, such a profound notion that I don't think many people think about, but it's so important to. Absolutely. And, and it's so interesting because when it comes to having disordered eating or, you know, your relationship with food, there are two sides of the spectrum. You know, there are people who, especially, especially young women, but not only young women, but, you know, having this place of restriction and trying to do everything perfectly. And, you know, that, that was where I came from is, you know, having that, like wanting that control and creating rules and needing everything to be perfect. And then there's this other side where, you know, they're on the other, like the opposite end of the spectrum where they lack that sense of control and it leads to binge eating and they know what they should be eating, but they just can't for whatever reason. And, even though they have something healthy made at home, they stop for fast food on the way home from work just because they're tired and stressed. And, you know, both sides, it all comes back to the same issue. Like they aren't two separate things. Both people who are living with diabetes and heart disease and obesity who, you know, have been overeating and have not been nourishing themselves properly. Um, like the issues that hold them back from making a sustainable, healthy lifestyle change are similar. So like it's part of the same spectrum to the people who are living with, you know, whether it's orthorexia or anorexia or just restrictive eating in general and creating rules around food that are, you know, not really based in anything or founded and, you know, feeling so much stress about needing to eat the exact perfect diet and, you know, like it's like having too much control and being you know so controlling versus feeling like you have no control and it's like both of those things come back to our relationship with food and ourselves and life in general and not having the self-awareness to really analyze where we're at with things and both need you know healing and uh, mindfulness and self-compassion. It so comes back to self-compassion and needing to accept ourselves and recognize that we are enough, no matter how we eat and what size our body is and 
what choices we've made and if we make mistakes, you know, we're, we're always good enough. I feel like in both areas, it's, it's often related to feeling like in one way or another, we're not enough. And that leads to self-sabotage or it leads to, you know, doing our best to make up for it in the areas of our life that we can control. You know, it's just, there's so much psychology and emotion that is embedded in the simple, you know, quote, diet of how we eat. So, yeah. This is so interesting. I, I mean, I, I totally get it. Why, why you're wanting to pursue more of the social and emotional psychological side of, of eating and why you're, you're embarking on this journey of getting this PhD in this area, because there's, I mean, it's true. It's such an underexplored area that is in, in dire need of the, I mean, people very much struggle with that today. And as you said, it's not, it's not just what to eat, but it's also how to eat. And while on what to it, I mean, there's definitely a lot of debate, but at least today there is much, so much more evidence uh, based information on what the, the, the foods, you know, the whole food plant-based diet that is optimal for nutrition. But then the, the whole side of how to eat that is, I feel like it's still very much in the darkness. Right. And, and so often, I mean, when, when we host the Mastering Diabetes Retreat, um, we talk about this and we talk about it as well in, in the Mastering Diabetes Program. Um, you know, we teach people, or I guess they, I still consider myself part of it. Um, you know, <laughs> whether it's Mastering Diabetes or whatever, you know, someone's going to the McDougal Program or an Engine 2 Retreat, it's like, the nutrition information is available to people. It's out there. And there are so many amazing voices sharing information, whether it's, you know, the, the legendaries and the people who, the luminaries who have, you know, led the way, you know, like Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Colin Campbell, like, you know, just all of the people who are leading the way. And the newcomers, Dr. Michelle McMack and Dr. Robert Osfeld, Dr. Danielle Villardo, like all these people are out there sharing information and teaching people the nutrition. And if someone, you know, comes to a mastering diabetes retreat or goes to one of these programs and they learn, they've been told for day after day, sitting through session after session, hours and hours of information telling them not only why this is healthy, but also giving them the tools like, you know, this is how you meal prep. This is what to buy at the grocery store. If you can give someone a meal plan and they still might not execute it. And the reason is not because they don't have the resources or they don't know how or they don't know why. It's because there is some underlying emotional component that is holding them back from making those choices that they know are right for them. And it's just, it's sad to me that there isn't enough and isn't enough support out there right now for so many people who are trying to make these healthy lifestyle changes, but for whatever reason are being held back. I mean, one of the things that I want to do is just help people to make the decisions that they already know they want to make. I'm not trying to tell people to do something they don't want to do. It's like there's so many people out there who want to do these things, but just feel like for whatever reason, they can't. And, and I'm not saying this from a place of like, oh, like I'm standing above them. Like I certainly have felt that way about other things in, in my life too. And, and there are times where we know that we want to, whether it's like, 
we want to exercise more often, or we want to meditate daily, or we want to start a journaling practice, or we want to eat healthier food, or we want to, you know, start prioritizing XYZ in our life, but we don't. It's like, why, what is holding me back from doing this? And it's not because we don't know how, and it's not because we don't want to. There's something else holding us back. And that's where we have to really look within and be able to examine ourselves. And that's, right. again, that's where self-love is so critical because we are not able to look honestly at ourselves if we are afraid of what we will see. Because for so long in my own life, I was not able to recognize that I was dealing with disordered eating, that I had a bad relationship with food because I felt like if that was true, there was something wrong with me and I wouldn't be lovable. And that part of me was bad. So I did everything in my power to act like that wasn't the case. But it wasn't until I had the self-love to be able to know that even if that is the case, it's okay. I am still worthy. I am still a good person. I am still enough. That does not change my value or my goodness or my worthiness as a human being. And I was able to let go of that shame. It was only then that I was able to truly look critically at myself and recognize what I was dealing with and where I needed to make changes. That is, that is just so cool. I really, truly admire your courage and your, your hum humility and your honesty and your dedication of, again, self-introspection and, and being, being able and brave enough to, to acknowledge all of these things and also be able to speak up about those, about your experiences and share your experiences so other people can learn and grow from, from that too. So just thank you. Thank you for that. Um, this is just really amazing. And I would like to follow up and, and ask for your advice. So for listeners who uh, maybe are uh, concerned about some of the disordered eating that they may have, or maybe who have an addictive personality, can you uh, maybe suggest some daily practices that helped you or some of the principles that people can imply, uh, apply in their daily lives of start, uh, how to, to start being more mindful and then self loving uh, with their food practices or how where where does that journey of uh bettering your relationship with food and and developing that self-love and embarking on the journey of introspection begin like how how do you how do you implement it yeah absolutely that's a great question um for me two foundational practices have been meditation and journaling um meditation just is so helpful because it has reminded me that just because I have certain thoughts and it's taught me um, that just because I have certain thoughts doesn't mean I necessarily need to identify with them and that they aren't necessarily something that I need to act on or, and that I don't need to judge myself for something that comes up for me. You know, those are old patterns that are going to arise and that's okay. And that I have the ability to not follow them. And, um, so meditation has been huge for me and journaling also is just an area where it's a place where, you know, if you're someone like me who has a very roving, they call it the monkey mind where your thoughts are just always going a million miles an hour. Journaling helps me to kind of get it out of my head and onto paper. And it's also a safe space where I can write things down and know that it's just me telling myself something and that I don't need to say it to anyone else. Um, Although it also can be very helpful to have a therapist to work with if you are really dealing with something that 
you need some guidance in working through. Um, I totally am a big proponent of of therapy for anyone who who needs counseling and would appreciate that that guidance and support as you're looking at things that are really difficult to look at within yourself and hold that safe space for you. But mm. in addition, just um, in a more like daily practice thing, I think that it's important to question ourselves and stay curious rather than yes, critical, but from a loving, unconditionally loving perspective and really stay curious about ourselves and look at where are our decisions coming from and why are we choosing certain things? So when it comes to food, if there's something that you've decided that you've drawn a line for yourself and said, I don't eat this food or I'm not, you know, I don't want to use the word I'm not allowed to, but I've decided not to eat this food. Why? Like really ask yourself, why have you decided not to eat this food? And if that decision is coming from, there's, it's really, you know, there's a full spectrum, but at two opposite ends of the spectrum are love and fear. And if so that, if, so that decision if that's coming from a place of love, then that's great. And you can feel confident in it and know that you're doing something to, you know, to, from that place of being your best self and, you know, serving yourself. Whereas if it's coming from a place of fear, that is harming you. And that is not helpful. It's not serving you. And that's just adding more stress to your life, which is also unhealthy. So really being able to ask yourself why and something that's been helpful for me in terms of that. And that's, I think that this is more so coming from a background of restriction or, you know, striving for perfection, which does not exist for all the perfectionists out there um, is thinking about if I were to eat this food either by accident or like if I just, you know, decided to, for whatever reason, how do I feel about that? And if that ignites a sense of fear within me, like if I feel tense and I feel upset by the fact that I either accidentally ate this food or that like I, that I decided to eat this food, if that makes you feel afraid and anxious, that's a sign that you're making that decision from a place of fear. Whereas if it's, you know, like, Hey, I recognize that that wasn't the best decision or like, oh man, I, I wish that that hadn't, you know, whether you're in a restaurant, you're like, oh man, I wish that that thing didn't, you know, I didn't accidentally take that bite of cheese or I didn't accidentally eat something that had, you know, for whatever, you know, whatever, whatever place that someone has drawn and dotted or bold lives in themselves, you know, oil or whatever it is, you know, if, if that's like, oh, I wish that I hadn't eaten that, but oh, well, you know, it, it happens that's a really good healthy place to be and you just we don't want to be living our lives motivated by fear or including so much fear so just really being able to ask yourself those difficult questions and honestly answer them I think that that's the biggest thing is just Hmm. questioning yourself and you know why why do I keep doing this if it's you know for the other end of the spectrum if you're someone who you know for whatever reason you stopped at McDonald's again and got, you know, even though it was vegan, you, you got fries or you got whatever. And you're just sitting there wondering like, why do I keep doing this to myself? I know that I don't want this. Why does it keep happening? Really giving yourself the safe space to answer that question honestly and 
we have to learn how to be a safe space for ourselves to feel most comfortable and at home being honest with ourselves. Like we need to be our own biggest source of self-love and forgiveness and comfort because as much as it is beautiful to have other people in our lives who can play that role for us and who can remind us of that when we get lost and forget we really the only person we can ever fully count on to do that for us is ourselves and once we reach that place of being able to do that for ourselves we are so much better able to hold that space for others too so it's not just about you it's also about the other people in your life and the way that we treat ourselves teaches us how to treat other people and the more compassion that we have for ourselves the more compassion that we have for other people and can recognize that just because some other person makes a mistake you know you can see that that's coming from a place of hurt that's coming from a place of you know anytime that we're not acting as our best selves it's coming from a place of hurt within us because if we were fully self-loving we would be able to show up as our best selves in every situation and be forgiving and not act defensive or impatient or, you know, like those, those things are all coming from, we judge other people in the way that we judge ourselves. So any way that we are judging others harshly is a sign that, you know, we need to turn inward and say, how can I judge myself less harshly? And as we continue to do that, we hardwire our brains to be able to do that for other people too. You have such a beautiful message. You really need to write a book <laughs> or five. <laughs> oh, someday. Someday, this is, someday. This is just so amazing and so helpful. And um, I, again, I just thank you for, for sharing all of your experiences. And this, uh, th- this, this conversation is just so amazing. I'm really, I'm really excited about sharing it with listeners. Um, I know that you also do some, some coaching, uh, as well. Uh, could you share maybe from some of the experiences, your personal experiences, or maybe from some of the interactions with the people that you perhaps spoke to, what are some of the things on like a very practical daily, uh, level? What are some of the things that trump uh success or kind of get in a way of people uh, uh attending to uh healthy practices and healthy eating habits in their their in their daily life and if you have any suggestions on some of the ways that we can set it up to make it really easy for ourselves to follow more of the healthier relationships with food in the, in, in, in the daily lives Sure. Um, I think big things that people run up against are self-criticism and comparison. I mean, in this world of social media, even though I love social media for so many reasons, it's so easy to play the comparison game and to look at what other people are eating or how they're exercising or the different practices that they have, um, the way that their body looks. Like, just anytime that we're comparing ourselves to other people, it's a fast track to holding us back and making us feel not great about ourselves. And that doesn't help us at all. So um, I really recommend really trying to exercise restraint on yourself and catch yourself to start having that awareness of when you're comparing yourself to others, when you're having criticizing thoughts and changing the conversation and standing up for yourself and recognizing that that's not serving you. And something that I recommend doing 
for social media is going through the people that you follow, whether it's on Instagram or if you're on YouTube, the YouTube accounts that you follow or Facebook, just anyone that comes up into your newsfeed or, you know, their messages pop into your, per into your awareness, like, and go through the people that you follow. And if their content is not inspiring in a healthy way, then unfollow them. If you see someone, and even if you, like, this does not mean that they're not a good person. Someone can be a really great person. But if you look at their photos and your brain goes toward comparing your body to theirs or your brain goes toward feeling like, okay, that's what they had for lunch today. I'm going to try and recreate that because I want to look like, feel like, act like, you know, whatever, you know, try, trying to become something in the way that they are. You just have to know yourself and be able to say, I'm going to unfollow them either indefinitely, like forever, or I'm going to unfollow them until I'm in a healthy mindset where I don't play the comparison game and I don't put myself down based on this content or whatever it is. And just taking those messages that are bringing you down out of your life and only filling yourself and your news feeds with, per with content that is uplifting and inspiring and helpful to you it's so easy to be overwhelmed and bombarded by messages and we just constantly have so many messages coming in to our perspectives and that you know however we can kind of curate those and exercise uh control over what messages we're allowing into our view it's really healthy to do that so you know follow accounts that talk to you about self-love or that remind you that you are worthy no matter what, or um, are your friends and family members who love you and who support you and remind you who you are. And um, those are just some things that I think are really important. I think that daily meditation or daily journaling can be so helpful and just finding coping this coping mechanisms for stress in general. Um, so often we go through our days and go through our lives without having just kind of pushing things down and acting like everything's okay when it isn't. And I think it's really important to be able to recognize when something is bothering us and when we're not feeling okay. And not only have, you know, practices that help us to combat when we're already feeling that but also preventive practices so for some people that might be yoga that might be you know waking up and having tea outside on your porch or that maybe going for a nature walk every evening after dinner or it might be carving out time to go to lunch with your best friends or dinner with your best friends or um just prioritizing self-care and time to yourself and it's going to look different for everyone but too many of us are just plowing through daily life and living in a state of stress and it's not healthy. It's not helpful. And it's holding us back from our healing. And so I don't know, is that kind of what you were looking for? Yes, no, absolutely. This is, this is so beautiful and this is so helpful. So what I'm gathering is definitely taking time for ourselves and, 
taking time to stop and breathe and uh, reevaluate and uh, be present and mindful about what's happening and being able to kind of step out of yourself and see what's happening and acknowledging that if, as you said, if uh, we're thinking something that the feelings and, and the thoughts are not necessarily what what is happening or what we should associate with and just setting as many as many reminders around ourselves and as many kind of guiding rails towards self-love and nourishment versus limitation and fear and restriction is is what will ultimately help us to tap into the resources that will um, provide us with with the guidance towards better choices if it comes down to food or really anything else that we're doing in our lives absolutely that is really yeah, those cool. self-checkings are so important and we too often don't do them me included I mean I have times where I realize oh my gosh I haven't checked in with myself for a while and so I sit down for me it helps to journal some people can just sit and think and like look internally but you know ask yourself like how am I doing how am I feeling and uh, so often I think that most people will be surprised by what they find if they actually sit and are free of distraction and ask themselves those questions Right. And to the, in today's age, when we're so scared of silence or not doing anything for a second, it's, <laughs> it, it takes, it definitely takes a little bit of effort to, to, to do that for ourselves because we're very uncomfortable with quiet. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, um, I know uh, I want to be respectful of your time, but I'm curious to see uh, because you're so tapped into like all of the all of the happenings within the plant based and uh, world and within the research and uh, the the documentaries and the, the movement and uh, different policies. Uh, where where do you see hope and where uh, what what change what changes are you excited about or what things that are coming out on the horizon that you're excited about? Oh man, I see hope everywhere. There's so much hope. This movement is growing so much and I see hope in all sides of it. I see hope from the people who are so staunchly committed to promoting a plant-based diet that is at the healthiest level, oil-free and low salt and sugar-free and, you know, people who are making changes in hospital systems, doctors who are now being invited to speak at you know, symposiums that are within the mainstream that aren't just plant-based conferences. And um, I'm so inspired by all of that, but I'm also inspired by the people who are just working to make a plant-based diet more accessible, even if someone doesn't do it 100%. Um, helping people to just start incorporating more fruits and vegetables and less animal products into their lives. And people who are doing such good work to, you know, help the animals to live somewhat better lives in captivity and also those who are helping to you know get people to completely go vegan and stop getting the like stop supporting animal agriculture and you know at all ends of the spectrum at all parts of this big amazing venn diagram of all the different ways that we're working in this world whether it's entrepreneurship all of the new products coming out i mean as someone who is so dedicated to health and I really believe in eating in harmony with the environment and eating straight from the earth like I personally don't like I don't find myself getting that excited about like new like 
vegan fish sticks that completely <laughs> like taste like real fish or you know new vegan ice creams that are whatever like but to the same extent I'm so glad that they exist because they are so helpful and they are contributing to this movement and there's a role for everyone in every aspect whether you're a business person or you want to work at a nonprofit, whether you're good at multimedia and making graphic design and or you're creating videos or you're doing podcasts or you have your own YouTube channel or you work, you know, as an assistant, an executive assistant at, you know, as a desk office job somewhere, like, no matter what, there is a role for you. And there is a way for you to have an impact within this movement. And from all angles, we are making such big waves. And there's so many different perspectives. And even if they're conflicting, they're all valuable. And I love the way that I've been seeing groups reevaluate their strategy and really look at like, what is actually effective in terms of helping people to make behavior change and how can we fill in the gaps and where, where are the gaps and how can we be a part of bridging them and all of that. I mean, I just see so many dedicated people working to help save this world and to make change and, you know, help people live better lives, help animals live better lives, help preserve the life on this planet it's so beautiful and so inspiring. And as much as it can be easy to look at this world and feel depressed about where we are, when you look at the people who are helping, the people who are doing absolutely everything in their power to make a difference, it's so heartwarming. It's so full of hope and inspiration because there are so many people out there doing that. And I have so much faith that we are headed in a better direction, that things are growing and that um, there's so much change that is just exponentially growing and speeding up and you know, we're part of it and it feels so good. <laughs> I love it. I love your perspective. I love how positive and hopeful you are about it. And I, I definitely, I 100% am behind you. And I'm just so in love with this community and this movement because it's, it's, it's like, it's so full of unconditional love and unconditional uh, acceptance uh, within between the members of this community and kind of selfless support and the desire to help each other and empower each other and be of any kind of service uh, to each other to, to help uh, further the work that each other does and help each other spread the message that they carry that is just really invigorating. It's like, when you tap into this lifestyle and you tap into this diet, you tap into something that is just so much more and goes so much more beyond nutrition. But as you said, it, it's the community and there's just something very much important and empowering um, and uh, invigorating being a part of that network of just amazing, loving, light individuals just like yourself. Totally. I mean, that's how you know that everyone's hearts are in it is because we do all get so excited for one another and support one another in, in like endeavors that have nothing to do with us, that we're not making monetary gains, that we're not part of. We just want to help lift one another up because, you know, that's how it's going to grow. We all just are so selflessly in love with what we're doing and just want to help everyone. Yeah, this is really cool. So um, is there, uh, I usually ask uh, this last question before we close, but is there anything else that you wanted to share about uh, any uh, of the work that you're doing or the projects that you engaged in uh, or um, just anything else you wanted to share before I ask, ask my closing question? 
No, this has been wonderful. You have uh, guided a great conversation. And um, I think a lot of good things have been said and discussed here. So I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, I usually close uh, by asking what, uh, what, what is your value of kindness? What kindness means to you? And how do you get to practice it in your daily life? So I would love to hear your feedback on that. Well, this is going to come as no surprise, but I believe that kindness starts within and that the more that we are able to fully accept and unconditionally love and have compassion for ourselves, the more we are able to extend that outward. So I believe that this is something that is so beautifully shared between other people and living beings in general and that... Um, it's something that just lights up this world and brings us all together. But I truly believe that it starts within and it has to start in our relationship with ourselves. So if we're looking for ways to be more kind in the world, we should first look inward rather than outward. I love it. That's such a beautiful message. Tara, thank you so much. You're absolutely amazing. I love you. I'm so grateful our paths have crossed. I cannot wait to see all the amazing things you will continue to do. And I thank you for all the light and love that you share and for how honest and humble and, and positive you are in, in personal interactions, on social media, and through any other channels that, that you speak and just share your love. So thank you so much. Mm, thank you for having me. I feel the same about you. It's so wonderful to have met you in this in this journey of ours. And um, I look forward to seeing what more you continue to create in this life. Thank you. And if listeners want to follow you or reach you, what are some of the best channels for them to do so? The Instagram, Facebook, uh, website? Yeah, the best place is Instagram. That's the social media outlet where I'm most active. Um, and that's just at Tara Kemp underscore. And I post there all the time and I do stories almost daily. And um, I love, love, love interacting with people there. So that's the best place. Um, but if you don't have Instagram, I am also on Facebook. I'm not really as active there. And I, yeah, but I'm there. Um, and I have a website, TaraFKemp.com. And that's where, if you're interested in coaching, you can apply. And I have a couple of blog posts and videos. And I will be making more in the coming months, hopefully. So, yeah, that's, those are the best places to reach me. Perfect. I'll make sure to include those in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Tara. Yeah, thank you. Um, you are wonderful. And um, I'm so excited that you're doing this. <laughs> thank you. For more information, you can go to followyourkind.com or follow me on Instagram at kindchristina. Please also subscribe to the show and give me a good review. Thanks for stopping by.